night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. I am JV Johnson. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm a little disorganized, I have to admit. We've got actually a little bit of a transition going on at the show tonight. This is behind the scenes, and Slick Eddie is pulling his hair out a little bit tonight because um, Alex, who has been a longtime uh, helper of Slick Eddie, a co-producer of the program, uh, is leaving the show. Uh, yeah, she's going on. Uh, she's got another job doing some bigger and better things. We wish her very, very well, and we thank Alex for her tremendous amount of dedication and service over the past few years as we launched this show, brought it to national syndication through Intercom Radio, and then uh, an additional uh, syndication deal with Westwood One Radio Networks. Um, Alex has steered us and guide us, guided us through that entire process. She's been bringing the guests on the show, um, answering your phone calls, and uh, taking care of a lot of our social media stuff. And she's moving on to bigger and better things. We wish her well. And in her uh, wake, uh, we've got uh, Orion joining us. So when you call tonight, you are going to be greeted by the um, voice of Orion, who is our new uh, call screener producer. And uh, he is anxious to meet all you folks. He's working with Slick Eddie in the control room, and uh, we're excited to have him. So uh, when you get a chance, say hello to Orion and uh, welcome him to the program. We're excited about it. Uh, Speaking of program, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. We've got Lyle Blackburn coming on in a little bit. Lyle is an author and a cryptid researcher. What is a cryptid, you ask? Well, if you've been listening to the show, you know exactly what a cryptid is. Cryptid as in cryptozoology, is a creature, a mysterious creature that uh, defies what we would consider to be normal scientific norms. Um, Bigfoot is considered a cryptid. Chupacabra is a cryptid. Loch Ness Monster is a cryptid. These are mysterious creatures that we're looking for answers and evidence and substantiation for. And Lyle Blackburn has been looking into these uh, creatures for a very, very long time, has written about many of them. He's got a new book out. It's called Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. We're going to be talking about that, plus other things that have been in the headlines related to cryptid uh, sightings and research. Um, That's all coming up with Lyle Blackburn tonight. So let's see. A couple things I want to remind you of, as I do every time I start the program. I really, really want you to swing by Facebook and give several pages a like, including Beyond Reality Radio. Give that a like. Give my personal page, J.V. Johnson, a like. And um, make sure that you follow, I don't know, why don't go to Scaricon as well. That's a show that we're involved with. Go to Scaricon and like that. So those are three Facebook pages that you should stop by and like. Also, swing by YouTube, search for JV Johnson, uh, subscribe to that channel. That's obviously my channel. We do a live stream of the show on that show, plus there's a lot of archive stuff there. Click the little notification bell so you know when we're live. That always helps. And uh, stop by the Beyond Reality Radio website, beyondrealityradio.com. We've got the Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug there. It's a great uh, vessel for coffee, tea, hot chocolate, pens, pencils, whatever you need to use a coffee mug for. It's uh, it's great. So um, I think that's going to do it for our pre-show business here. I think what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll get our guest Lyle Blackburn on the phone, and we'll we'll start our discussion about um, cryptids on Beyond Reality Radio. Don't go away. We've got a great show ahead. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm JV. Thanks for being here tonight. We have uh, Lyle Blackburn coming on in just a moment here. And by the way, we'll take your phone calls in the second part of the program. We'll be talking about all things cryptid tonight. The phone number is 844-687-7669. We're going to need some calls to put Orion through the tests in his uh, inaugural night as our new call screener and producer. So um, we're looking forward to that. Anyway, let's uh, let's welcome Lyle Blackburn into the show. He's an author and a cryptid researcher, one of the best. Uh, his website is lyleblackburn.com. He's got a new book out called Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. Lyle, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's a pleasure having you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm trying to remember, when when were you on the show last? I know you've been here. It's been a while, though, right? Yeah, it's been a little while. I can't remember exactly when, but uh, yeah, somewhere in the I tell you, not the, too distant past. The, the next book you need to write is this this phenomena of time just flying by and it can't be accounted for because I feel like my whole life is just you know like we're here we are at the end of March already in 2019 and I can't account for the first four months of this year. I tell you, man, it's like a tape that just keeps speeding up and speeding up, you know, just racing. I don't know. Yeah, it really, really does. Um, but let's let's kind of get some basics here. How long have you been involved in this kind of work, looking into these creep, cryptid stories and, and trying to get to the bottom of some of this stuff? Uh, it's been a decade now since, you know, I kind of started in a serious fashion to, to do research and started uh, working on books. I've been doing it for about 10 years. Well, something obviously caught your eye or your curiosity in the beginning of that process. Was it one particular story or was it just a general interest in uh, some, some of what was going on out in our woods and our, in, uh, in some of these local legends? Well, yeah, it was something that kind of was brewing for a while because, you know, even as a kid, I was always fascinated with legends of, you know, the Yeti, Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, the, the things I'd heard of as a kid. And then um, what really sparked me to get serious into the research was the case of the legend of Boggy Creek, which was a case in southern Arkansas, which people you know, said they had seen a Sasquatch-like creature, and there had been a movie made in the 70s that dramatized these alleged true encounters. So that's, I live in Texas, so it's about three hours from where I live. So it was something that as a somebody who's been interested in this and now as an adult, and I thought, you know, what was really true about that? You know, were people seeing a creature down there? Do they still see the creature? And that's kind of where I set out to you know, explore in, in terms of Bigfoot in general, but specifically Legend of Boggy Creek. Um, yeah, you know, I um, I was introduced to a lot of what we talk about here, whether it's aliens or ghosts or any of the topics that we discuss through a program called In Search Of back in the 70s. And I actually think, and maybe this is just me romanticizing the whole thing, but I, I think that the first episode I saw was the, was the episode in which they were talking about Bigfoot and they had the uh, Patterson uh, footage on, on the program. And that absolutely captivated me. Was was that uh, that footage something that, that 
gave you um, a motivation to learn more about this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I can vaguely remember in search of uh, seeing some of those episodes late at night. And yeah, those things just, you know, always captured my imagination. And just the glimpse of, of the Patterson film, just just the possibility that, that a creature like that could be out there. It, it's just something that stayed with me my whole life. What are your thoughts on the Patterson film? I mean, it's been controversial for a long time. Most serious cryptid researchers or Bigfoot researchers will say that it's legitimate. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I mean, I can never absolutely say one way or another because it, it's beyond proof. Right, um, right. I, I feel it, it has a lot of credibility to it, and one of those is that I've gotten to know Bob Gimlin really yeah. well, mm-hmm. and you know, have heard his version of the story, you know, numerous times and gotten to know him as a person. And that's, that's one reason I think that it, it holds up, you know, not in addition to, uh, you know, just the the difficulty they would have had to fake something like that back then that, you know, now with the digital technology and slowing down and smoothing it, we still can't totally debunk it so i think you know it's possible that's a real creature was there some advantage to if if somebody did want to fake it back then and they were using super eight you know movie camera uh was there is there an advantage to that because it was so in our and by today's standards primitive that it couldn't be quite as analyzed or dissected as maybe new digital footage would be able to be uh, true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the technology of the time didn't allow it to capture a, really enough uh, resolution yeah. where it kind of remains ambiguous. So, uh, yeah, that, that plays, you know, into its favor. And I, I think that's the thing. Just about anything you can say pro about it, you can say con about it and sort of back it up using logic. So it's almost like something that, to me, resides in that middle ground between you know, something we can almost prove, but but not. And, and it's just, it's debated just as much today among Bigfoot researchers as it was then. Yeah, you know, it, it actually it actually works in both directions for that footage. And, and same thing with like, uh, you know, um, the Zapruder film uh, for the JFK assassination. Um, because it is, uh, you know, older technology and doesn't have the same resolution that new cameras might, um, it, it, uh, it, avoid, it, it makes it so you can't disprove it, but also makes it so you can't prove it. I mean, it kind of puts it in that no man's land, if you will. Yeah, certainly so. And, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'd be sitting here in another decade or 20 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the same sort of debates. Has there been any uh, circulating. has there been any footage recently that you've seen that you've felt as though aha we finally have something that is going to solve this for us? Unfortunately not. I mean that it just seems to be inherent with these type of films is they're always you know shaky or blurry and and all of that that there's never any footage that I see that's you know clear enough uh to where people are going to, you know, support it. And, you know, I think even if if somebody did get some super clear footage of a real creature, I think it, it would still be debated because, you know, what we can do with CGI and things like that. Yeah. You know, I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't stand up to serve as absolute proof. I mean, it may, may say, well, that's a, a good step and not a conclusive, 
you know, film. That's the problem. As the technology's improved, so the, so has the ability to uh, fraud uh, or hoax things. Um, you know, like you said, with CGI technology, it's almost impossible for a, a regular uh, viewer to tell the difference. I mean, it makes it darn near impossible. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it, you know whether people support you know. Uh, Killing a, one of these creatures or whatever, I mean, nothing short of a specimen uh, is going to be adequate to persuade mainstream science, for example, to take this seriously. You know, people say, what's it going to take? It, unfortunately, at this, at this point, Bigfoot has become such a pop culture icon. Yeah. You know, it so, it's such dwells in that pop culture movie commercialism type thing that you know, it's going to take something super drastic to make people, you know, actually believe in it. Yeah, and, and it's always been a little frustrating that mainstream science has completely disregarded uh, many of these claims and don't take it very seriously. I don't understand that. I've always thought if science was about finding the truth, why wouldn't they take it a little bit more seriously, you know? We're talking about cryptids tonight, specifically Lyle has a new book out called Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. Lyle... You know, in the case of Momo or some of some of these other creatures, whether we talk about uh, Boggy Creek or Whitehall, um, do you think all these regional creatures are the same creature, just uh, you know, identified locally, or are we talking about a bunch of different creatures? Uh, I think you know they they could be slightly different based on the environments and, and change over time, but ultimately, I think there couldn't be that many different creatures. I mean, if if we even had one, you know, hidden ape-like animal, you know, in North America would be uh, astounding enough. So I, I think that they're related, and, and, and descriptions vary, but they don't vary so drastically that it couldn't be just the interpretations of the same creature, and they're just seen in different parts of the country. So I think they're, by and large, probably the same thing. Do these creatures... Um Don, uh, you know, uh, I'm not even sure how to put this, but use uh, maybe uh, regional vegetation or uh, other characteristics from a certain geography as, and I'll say clothing, but not really clothing, maybe camouflage, maybe, uh, you know, putting, um, you know, plant life on them to kind of disguise them. Is that why they might look different in different areas? Well, I think, you know, most people don't, don't describe them as having, you know, any plant-like material on them. But I think uh, certainly, it, you know, there's a lot of sightings of these creatures in swampy areas. And, yeah. you know, if, if it was wet, if it was living in, in you know, algae-rich environments, right. certainly it could have gotten on them, you know, just um, by, by and large where it lives. So I think in that terms, you know, even people saying the lizard man or other things that looked reptilian, you know, a lot of times if a, a hair covered creature has been in the water, it's going to be glistening and things like that. So I think that explains, you know, some of the differences, um, in the descriptions based on the environments. So let's talk about uh, Momo, the Missouri monster. Uh, first of all, when did this creature first get reported? And tell us a little bit about the characteristics of it. Uh, the first public report was made in on July eleventh, nineteen seventy two, and it was it's become one of these sort of classic cryptid cases. Uh, 
kind of from the golden age of of, of all of this back in the seventies. And uh, the first encounter was reported by some young kids who lived in uh, a town called Louisiana, Missouri. That's not confusing enough, and it's it's in the uh, eastern portion of Missouri, right on the Mississippi River. And one afternoon, they were out there playing, and they they looked up to see this uh, tall, man-like, hair-covered creature standing at the edge of the woods uh, below this hill. And of course, you know, it was frightening enough. They ran inside and called the parents, and the parents came to investigate and. Uh, the 14-year-old girl that had seen it had a fairly good view, and it's during the day, and she described it as being definitely covered in hair. She said the hair even covered its face. Um, it looked like it had a kind of a large kind of a head, and it was possibly carrying a what they thought was a baby or a even a dead dog. So uh, quickly thereafter, you know, other people began to report sightings of this creature in and around that little town, and... Uh, uh, putting together, you know, afterthoughts or, you know, people saying, well, you know, I saw something, you know, a month ago and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what to think about it. But, yeah, it fits that description. And this quickly became kind of a media sensation. It was all of the newspapers, all, you know, St. Louis uh, news uh, channels were covering it. Uh, investigators were coming down and uh, there were also uh, strange lights seen in the sky, um disembodied voices heard in the woods. So it also kind of played in this other high strangeness that uh, is not necessarily typical of a straight cryptid or a Bigfoot encounter, which, you know, ultimately made the case even more strange than just simply seeing a, a Bigfoot-like creature. So um, it's something that, um, you know, just has kind of become an icon, I guess, if you will, of cryptids and Momo being uh, short for the abbreviation for Missouri, Mo and monster momo so that was the name it was given and you know it's just one of those cases i had read about as a kid and as an adult like like with boggy creek like you know what what was the full story so i went to the town and did some investigation and dug up all the news reports and uh, that became the book were you able to talk to any of the original witnesses i did uh fortunately uh you know i was uh, able to talk to Doris Harrison, which was the original uh, 14-year-old girl that had seen it, uh, that had become so famous for that sighting. And her father uh, was kind of the most prominent investigator, if you will, because uh, I think in many ways he wanted to prove what his kids had seen because, you know, of course, you know, people would scoff at this and say, you didn't really sure. see it. Yeah. Um, but when I talked to Doris, even today, she said, you know, I'm telling you, I absolutely saw something standing there. It was there. I saw it. No mistake about it. And, you know, she stood behind her word. So it was it was good to be able to talk to her because it's been so long. Yeah. After her sighting, um, how many additional was it frequently reported these sightings or was it uh, was that an isolated incident? I mean, how often was this creature seen? Uh, within the next three weeks, you probably had about half a dozen sightings c kind of in that general area. And then as some of the researchers came in, and because there had been strange lights in the sky, actually, so a lot of the researchers that came to the town were from MUFON and from UFO-based groups, um, as opposed to 
you know, there just wasn't a lot of Bigfoot hunters, I guess, at the time. So right. um, they began to talk to other people uh, who had seen a similar creature within, you know, 20 or 30 miles away along that Mississippi River corridor. So if you add those in, suddenly you've got, you know, 15 or 20 sightings um, in the area. And then uh, Lauren Coleman, which was uh, a cryptozoologist at the time, also discovered that some women had seen something exactly one year earlier, which had been reported to the uh, state police, but, you know, just hadn't been made public until, you know, all the newspaper coverage started happening. So at that point, you you know, you built a bigger case of, wow, something's been going on much longer here than we realized. Is it common that uh, yeah. people will keep their uh, sightings to themselves until maybe somebody else comes forward and opens the discussion? Are they are they hesitant to come forward with this information? Yeah, I think so. And especially back then, I, I think usually it was circumstance or almost a mistake that it ended up in the newspapers. You know, it something frightened somebody so much they may have called the police and somehow they got leaked to the papers. And then, you know, but, you know, once, you know, once it was out there, people weren't so um, reluctant to say, well, you know, I saw something too. So, but, you know, if they had been the first to see it and, you know, and it would be hard for just to walk up and start telling people what you'd seen because people think you're crazy. Yeah. Um, have the sightings continued? Is there anything recent? Well, I found that in that area, um, they're, you know, following it within about two two years after the case, uh, the sightings sort of, you know, pretty much dissipated. But if you kind of uh, span out on Missouri itself and a wider range over into Illinois, which is just across the Mississippi River, um, you've had, uh, we've had, you know, sightings that have, continued ever since. I mean, there's Bigfoot sightings up in the Ozarks, which is southern Missouri, um, areas like that. So, so yeah, there's there's been sightings that have continued. And that's what I was going to ask. Do we think that these creatures are, um, you know, true to their uh, original geography, or do they wander? Do they move around from place to place? I think it's logical to say that they would have to move around. I mean, just like any large animal, uh, a bear, a cougar, or something like that, they have a fairly wide range, and this um, is dictated by the need of for food and sustenance and weather conditions and, you know, uh, expanding um, urban development and things like that, which forces, you know, these creatures to move around. And that's why um, you may have a an outbreak of sightings in one certain area for a certain period of time. And then, then they just sort of, you know, move on somewhere else. So I think it, um, you know, there's no real pattern you can, you can pinpoint, but I think they do move around. Yeah, that would make sense. We'll be taking your phone calls in the second part of the program at 844-687-7669. If you've had a cryptid encounter of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. Um, or if you want to comment on anything we're talking about, our guest tonight, Lyle Blackburn, he's an author and a cryptid researcher. LyleBlackburn.com is the website. Lyle, how many books have you written about this stuff? Uh, Momo is my fifth book. And uh, I know you've written about, um, uh, I think, Boggy Creek, right? Um, what's some other stuff that you've written about? 
Right. The first was the Beast of Boggy Creek, and then I did one called Lizard Man, which was the famous Lizard Man case from Bishopville, South Carolina. And then I did a Beyond Boggy Creek, which kind of covers the whole Deep South um, history of Bigfoot sightings um, all throughout those regions. Um, I did another one called Monstro Bizarro, uh, Essential Manual of Mysterious Monsters, which kind of just covers uh, a little bit of everything, even even uh, cryptids in in pop culture. And then and then Momo's the latest. And you've done a lot of media appearances. I know I know you do other radio programs, uh, interviews. Um, what is the general attitude of people when you start talking about uh, these types of creatures, particularly Bigfoot? Uh, I, I find that most people are fascinated by it. You know, I'm, uh, people often ask, you know, it's like, does anybody uh, kind of give me any, any grief about it? I'm saying, you know, not really. They uh, Everybody seems to be interested in it and, you know, even if they're skeptical at first, they'll they'll always have a story. Well, you know, my uncle, you know, he <laughs> once saw something, and, and you know, you can build a conversation. And the way I kind of approach is, I can understand why people can be skeptical. So I I try to try to meet them halfway, and then once I throw in some facts and a a few of my own, you know, experiences or, um, you know, tell them about people I've talked to that they, they usually they're like, hmm, wow, that that sounds interesting, and and they you know. They give it some thought. Yeah, skepticism is healthy. Closed-mindedness is not. Uh, I say that often. And I, I chuckled when you said, you know, somebody would say they don't believe, and they say, but my uncle had this experience. We have that, you know, it's a common occurrence, especially when you start talking about ghosts. And when we did a lot of paranormal investigating looking for ghosts, we would frequently have people come up to us and say, you know, I don't believe in that. But when I was 10 years old, I was sitting on my bed, and my grandmother showed up. in the. You know, everybody has a story, right? Right, right. It's like they almost contradict themselves. Like, yeah. oh, I don't believe, but, and they'll lay out some weird thing, you know. So, yeah, it's funny. I think everybody uh, deep down kind of has an interest in this. An interest and a curiosity. So, um, you know, we have a lot more to talk about, and this just happens to be a short segment, so I don't want to get uh, too much deeper into the Momo story here. But if, uh, you know, if somebody just asked you point blank, which I'm about to, uh, is there something to this? Do these creatures actually exist? What would be your answer to that? I think uh, it's possible. I mean, I again, without having just seen one or have something here to examine, I couldn't say 100%. But I think it's definitely, while it may be impro- improbable, it's definitely possible, and that's just based on a decade of you know research into this. I think there is a possibility. Yeah, um, and that's that's the kind of attitude we have to take. I mean, you've written enough about it and you've researched it um for you to say that it's possible means you haven't seen anything that would make you think this is all you know just a bunch of hoaxes or misreportings yeah absolutely i mean there are those that you can quickly identify as people who you know you don't put a lot of credibility in but there are those ones um a portion of these that are you know, you look at it from all the different ways. You get to know the person, um, the circumstance. And there is just no way to easily dismiss what they're reporting. And those, for me, are the ones that stand out that keep me, you know, sort of on the case. Do you think within our lifetimes we'll get uh, some type of definitive proof of Bigfoot or one of these other uh, highly controversial cryptids? I think so. I mean, it's almost like a. I, it seems like just any day now. It just seems imminent, especially when you're immersed in these subjects like we are. 
um, you know, it just seems like something's going to bust wide open. And, and, you know, so far it hasn't. But, um, you know, I, I think, it, you know, something could happen in, in, the, in the coming years. You know, we've had some uh, video footage somewhat recently. When I say recently, you know, again, we talked earlier about time passing so quickly. So it could be within the last five years. I'm not quite sure. But, um, you know, there have been these these things that have surfaced that have created some hope for people, and they've turned out to be hoaxes. Um, have you seen anything that you felt really, really good about recently that ultimately turned out to be somebody pulling a prank? Uh, yeah, there's there's been a few... Bigfoot films that, you know, on a cursory glance looked pretty good. But, uh, you know, again, once once time settles and a few people look into it and, you know, give it time for somebody to come forward, unfortunately, they've turned out to be, um, you know, hoaxes or, or mistakes or what have you. So, yeah. uh, you, and, you know, in, in any of this research, you kind of got to be slow to make a, a, a you know, a big judgment on it because it takes a while often for, you know, the truth to sort of settle out. Yeah. I I know, you know, you obviously do a lot of research and you write about this stuff. Do you actually uh, yourself go out in the woods and do any of this, what we would call squatching or or Bigfoot hunting? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I do. I think uh, in a way, you know, it's fun. And in in order to write these books, you know, I, I think, even in, if I'm an investigative journalist, I've got to go and, you know, participate and do these things and go into the areas where people say they've seen them. So, you know, yeah. I love the, I love the outdoors, and for me, it's it's even more exciting when there's a possibility possibility I could see, you know, a, a creature that very few people have seen before. So, yeah, I do get out there, and it's it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Have you caught a glimpse? Uh, I've never actually seen something, but I, I think I was close. There was there was a some kind of an animal that was howling uh, at a at a distance and sort of followed us down a bayou and was just basically out of sight and let out this sort of how sort of a growling howl type of a of a sound that neither myself nor my uh, colleague could could identify and I plunged through the woods trying to get a light on it and whatever it was just uh you know ran ran uh yeah that seems to be a common case we'll be right back after the break and talk more about this please support the program go to patreon.com slash joha that's j-o-h-a-w We've got a great program for you tonight. We're talking with Lyle Blackburn about cryptids, specifically his new book called Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. But uh, Lyle's written books about uh, Boggy, the Beast of Boggy Creek, Lizard Man, and others. Uh, his website is lyleblackburn.com. We're going to bring him back into the program in just a moment. A couple of uh, show notes here that pass on to you. Stop by our Facebook page, Beyond Reality Radio on Facebook. Give it a like. Also, visit my page, J.V. Johnson. Like that as well. Uh, Swing by the YouTube channel, J.V. Johnson on YouTube. Subscribe. Click the uh, bell icon for notifications. We stream live on YouTube. Plus, we have a lot of archival uh, footage and features on that YouTube channel. and love for you to be a part of that as well. And finally... Visit the web pay, uh, the website of the show. It's beyondrealityradio.com. A lot of great information there, including the radio stations that we air on across the country. That list continues to grow. Also, 
information about um, the show, our guests, and the Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug is there for your purchase. At this point, that's that's our uh, what we would uh, call the holy grail of our um, merchandise options because <laughs> it's the only one we have. But it is a very, very uh, nice coffee mug. It's got the Beyond Reality Radio Alien Head logo on it. Looks pretty cool, and it does a good job of holding your coffee. That's found right on the Beyond Reality Radio webpage. So visit that. We've got some great guests coming up in the next uh, few nights for you here on Beyond Reality Radio. Tomorrow night, Michael Hawley will be on to talk about DNA evidence that may, that's right, it may point to the uh, the person who um, is Jack the Ripper. There have been there's been a lot of speculation as to who Jack the Ripper is, and new DNA evidence may have solved that mystery. And we're going to talk with Michael Hawley tomorrow night about that investigation. And then Thursday night, Andy Thomas, who is a researcher and an author on mysteries and conspiracies, will be with the program. And Bruce Markison, the shark, will be a fill-in host for Thursday night's program. I'll be uh, heading to Orlando to get a little bit of R&R in the sunshine because the Northeast is still cold. It's like 15 degrees out right now up in uh, upstate New York. Um, but with Andy Thomas on Thursday night, Bruce will be talking about conspiracy areas and theories and surveillance agendas and media misrepresentations, restrictions on free speech, and uh, much, much more on Thursday night's program. Friday is a best of program as it is Every week. So a lot of great stuff coming up on Beyond Reality Radio. Now, getting back to our discussion about Momo, the Missouri monster, uh, which, again, Lyle Blackburn has recently written about. Lyle, um, you mentioned that uh, during some of the reports of sightings of this particular creature, there was other phenomena reported as well. Uh, Lights, disembodied voices. That's not an uncommon occurrence when it comes to sightings like this. I mean, the Mothman instance comes to mind uh, that there's other phenomena that are that is uh, um, associated with sightings of some of these strange creatures. What do we attribute that to? Uh, you know, it's hard to say if they're connected or just you know circumstantially coincidental. But uh, I certainly noticed that as I did the research that uh, even in cases of you know hairy biped sort of sightings, when we're talking about that Missouri case and in, in, in Illinois and over into Pennsylvania, oftentimes you did have uh, multiple phenomenon, uh, you know, from UFOs to strange lights in the sky that would be seen in proximity or around the same time as people would report seeing what could be described as Bigfoot-like creatures. And in specifically in the Momo case, um, just a few days after that first sighting that got in the news, uh, some people, you know, a bunch of people were standing outside and distinctly saw these uh, green and uh, white lights uh, streaking across the sky, which they thought was uh, rather strange, something they hadn't seen before. And uh, later on, about a month later, there had been some other sightings of what people even described as UFO craft. So these, you know, obviously the investigators sort of felt these could be connected. So, um, you know, it, it's something that, yeah, certainly does occur in most Bigfoot cases. You know, it's just simply sighting of a creature. But there are those those ones where the multiple phenomenon just adds to the puzzle. 
You know, um, some people contend that those additional sightings and the, the additional phenomena that come with the sightings of these types of creatures may indicate there's an alien connection or some other uh, interdimensional connection with these cryptids versus a you know a flesh and blood thing. Do you think there's anything anything to that? Uh, I, I never felt there was a connection, at least as far as Bigfoot. Bigfoot seems so terrestrial and seems uh, grounded in a in a natural world um, environment. Uh, but, you, you know, you start getting into some of the other stranger ones. Uh, you know, certainly Moth, the Mothman case, as you mentioned, was one where there was just so much bizarre phenomenon going on at once. Um, you know, it's hard to say that there wasn't a connection uh, of some sort uh, to those things. And, of course, things like Mothman start to get into realms that are much further beyond natural biology, um, as opposed to just the, the, the supposition that a Bigfoot creature could be some sort of undiscovered ape. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure they're definitely connected, but there's definitely uh, cases where uh, these occur at the same time. Was there anything that was particularly unique about the Momo case uh, that may separate it from whether it's Boggy Creek or Whitehall or any other, you know, what we would consider to be standard uh, Bigfoot sightings? Um, it, it The description of the creature, and, and most were adamant that it had hair that hung over its face, which kind of gave it a, a unique distinction um, that you don't normally find in, in other Bigfoot reports. And that was consistent at least with several of the more prominent witnesses and two of them that had seen it flat out during the day. And uh, as well, it was theorized that the creature had three toes. And, and while that's not totally unique to Southern Bigfoot lore, um, most, uh, you know, uh, your average Bigfoot tract is five-toed. So when you get anything that's uh, three-toed, it just adds that little extra uh, bit of uh, strangeness to it. And Momo certainly did uh, with the three toes and the hair in the face and, and all that. It, it was very uh, distinctive. Are there any other uh, cryptid reports, whether it's lizard man or uh, almost sounds bird-like in a way with the three toes, that would be a three-toed creature? Uh, lizard man is said to have three toes. Um and, and that's fairly consistent um, throughout Lizard Man cases. Um, also, the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which is uh, Honey Island down in southern Louisiana, um, which was kind of a, a bizarre one because it's reported as a upright, hairy, Bigfoot-like creature, yet its track was was supposed to be three-toed and looked somewhat... Uh, um, alligator-like, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of these these stranger cases that the, the uh, cryptid in, in question will have a three-toed track. Do we know um, if the Mothman? Do we, do we ever get a, a, um, a report on whether that was a three-toed or a five-toed creature? I don't ever uh, remember hearing no. anything. It, that's an interesting question, actually. Uh, that, that doesn't come up often, but no, there. Um, to my knowledge, there never was uh, any footprints that were found, um, even though people had said that the creature, they saw the creature walking or, or moving or hopping or something, but no one ever really commented, like, in terms of going back and looking at footprints. So, um, yeah, it's unknown as to what its foot 
uh, anatomy was. When I hear reports of three-toed creatures, I think of, you know, bird-like creatures. Um, obviously, lizard men was something that came to mind as well. Um, but do we have, other than the report for Momo, do we have uh, footprints or any any other kind of physical evidence that might support some of the claims or give us a clue as to what we, what these folks were seeing? Uh, there was some footprints um, and, and in a couple of cases they were castings were made of these footprints. Um, one of the better castings is is questionable as to the authenticity authenticity of that footprint, whether it was hoaxed or you know sort of somebody trying to add to the you know the frenzy making their own stamp on it or whether it was an actual creature. Um, there were quite a few other reports of footprints um, that were drawn in the paper or recreated, but they weren't actually cast. So there was at least some physical evidence, um, you know, left behind in, in, in some of these uh, sightings, but in, in not in all cases were they, you know, the person cast the track or anything. We're talking with Lyle Blackburn tonight, and our phone lines are open at 844-687-7669 if you'd like to join the discussion. Visit his website, lyleblackburn.com. Several books to his credit, including the most recent book, Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster, which we're talking about here tonight. Lyle, is the website the best place to go for the books? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got links to everything. I mean, they're available on Amazon and, and, uh, as well as my own online store. So, uh, my website has links to those. You've been involved in some of the, uh, the, what we would call, I guess, reality television programming, uh, that's related to paranormal research or cryptid research. What do you think that has done for the view of this? I mean, I look at shows like Bigfoot Hunters or whatever that was, and I feel like, I feel like they might cheapen a little bit. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's good and bad. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's inherently it's entertainment, so they have to kind of, uh, uh, tra- you know, sensationalize things, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I think it's made it more acceptable for people to say, come forward and say they've seen strange things. I mean, when when you see the shows and the ones at least that do present real eyewitnesses, you know, people say, well, you know, it seems like other people have seen this, and so I think that makes it uh, better because you get more reports. But but yeah, I mean, it, depending on the show, it can be rather silly and almost make somewhat of a mockery of of the serious investigations that are being done into to this phenomenon. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there's this uh, kind of a one-upsmanship, you know, as you get competing shows and competing networks trying to outdo each other, and they feel like everything needs to be sensationalized. And the serious investigations, um, whether they are dull or not, uh, from the producers of the show standpoint, I guess they look at them as maybe not exciting enough, and therefore you don't get that serious approach to the, uh, to the effort. Right. And I mean, I'm still, uh, I mean, the shows like In Search Of, to me, are still, uh, I'm, I'm, I like those better. It's just like I can hear the real people and, and you just sort of look at it with a balanced view. I, I don't really understand the, the need to 
you know, build giant traps to cap- capture Mothman that <laughs> right. we all know is, is is just silly. But I guess that's the entertainment side of it. Yeah, I mean, you've you've written about a lot of this. We have, this is a short segment here. You've written a lot about a lot of uh, about a lot of these uh, phenomenon, these creatures. Um, what stands out to you as being one that is just the most fascinating? I mean, is it Bigfoot for you, or is there something else that takes that prize? Uh, I think Bigfoot would be at the top of my list. I mean, just at the variety of creatures, the variety of places they've been seen, um, just the uh, just the, the possibility that these could be real. Um, you know, I think all in all, Bigfoot for me is the top of the list. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've always been fascinated with, in addition to, you know, Bigfoot sightings in these stories, is this Mothman phenomena, because there's something um, mystical about those reports. And then the, then the, obviously the result or the resulting collapse of the Silver Bridge. Um, have, you, have you written about Mothman or done any investigation about that story? Uh, well, yeah, I've, I've been up there several times to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, um, and I, I participated in a a documentary uh, done by the Small Town Monsters film crew uh, called The Seth, Mothman right? Point Seth, Pleasant. I narrated Seth. that and co-wrote the script. And, and in doing that, obviously, I did investigation into the case. And, yeah, it's it certainly, I mean, as far as one that you would term in more in terms of paranormal, um, it's that's, you know, it can't be topped. It yeah. just It just has everything from cryptid sightings to UFOs to men in black mm-hmm. to all sorts of strange stuff and it's just one of my favorites and and with the tragedy it's just got that kind of like you say mystical like a harbinger of doom it's mm-hmm. just um a bizarre case with a unique uh, icon and it was the small town monsters films that's uh, Seth Breedlove is that right do i remember correctly right yeah, yeah. Mr. Seth uh, he's the director so yeah. I, i've narrated um uh, about four of them now and oh, nice. um, participated in those, those films. Tonight we're talking with Lyle Blackburn about his new book, Momo, The Strange Case of the Missouri Monster. And Lyle, you've written about a lot of things. You've explored even more. Why write about Momo? Well, it, it's just one that kept coming across the radar um, as sort of an icon of, of regional Bigfoot lore. You know, if you ever see a map of, of cryptids in the U.S., Momo tends to be on there for Missouri. And, you know, as well, it was one I'd read about um, when I was young, and it sort of, you know, I guess registered and captured my imagination. So uh, I had the opportunity to go up to Missouri, and I thought, man, I'm going to go up to that little town and have a look around and uh, you know, having done so, I thought, man, I, I want to look more into this case. And so uh, I, I'd done a book, Beyond Boggy Creek, which covered the Deep South um, and the history of uh, Sasquatch-like creature sightings there. And uh, Missouri's not quite, you know, north or south. It's somewhere in between, I suppose. But uh, the story was just too much to fit into that book. So I thought, well, I'll just make it its own book and, and follow up with that. So uh, and, and just a fascinating case um, all around um, in, in something that uh, was enjoyable to write about. Missouri kind of has that, um, you know, the, the, the proximity of the, to the Mississippi River, um, sort of the riverside town. It was a, a birthplace of Mark Twain and Huckleberry Finn and all that kind of vibe on the Mississippi River kind of tied in with this bizarre 
Bigfoot creature case. So it was something that was, uh, I thought, uh, a great Midwest monster story. Yeah. Is there any particular area of the country? I know there are some hot spots, but would you identify any particular geography as being the epicenter of maybe Bigfoot sightings or other cryptids that might be related to the Bigfoot creature? Uh, yeah, throughout the U.S., there there are areas that tend to have a higher number of Bigfoot sightings or, or just cryptid sightings. Um, I would say, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, eastern Oklahoma that spans into western Arkansas and the Washita Mountains is one that I find has a high number of Bigfoot sightings and credible Bigfoot sightings. And uh, Ohio is, is one that has a surprising number of Bigfoot encounters. Um, and then the, the area of Florida with the whole skunk ape thing, there's just a uh, lot of reports coming out of there. Um, even East Texas and into Louisiana, most people think of Texas as sort of a, you know, a dry desert ranch looking uh, state, but the eastern portion is very heavily forest, forested, known as the Piney Woods, and that kind of merges over into Louisiana and the Bayou Country. And there is just sightings, not only Bigfoot creatures, there's reptilian humanoid sightings, um, there's the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which is something in between, um, even some river monsters um, lurk around in, in these southern parts. So uh, those are some of the areas, but uh, certainly there's a lot of famous cases. You mentioned Whitehall. I mean, that's one where there's sort of a regional buzz about a Bigfoot-like creature. And, I mean, boy, I'd love to cover all of those and kind of uncover the whole story. And just, um, you know, even the – I think these are fascinating not only for the creatures themselves, but just the impact they've had on the culture. You know, if you go to some of these towns and there could be little museums or stores that sell souvenirs and um, things like that. So there's always that sort of cultural impact that these creature uh, cases have made. All right, we've had some people waiting patiently on hold uh, to join the conversation, so let's jump to the phone lines. This is Dee calling from upstate New York. Hey, Dee, welcome to the program. Hey, JV. Hey, Lyle. How are you doing? Good. Good. I was wondering, um, what's your take on the um, foot impressions that people have collected? You mean like Bigfoot foot impressions? Yes. I mean, there are a lot of those. Uh, Lyle, you go to shows all the time. I go to them, and I see all these castings. What do you think of that stuff? There are some really good ones. Um, You know, um, in particular, um, just one that I have in my collection is the one that was taken in Georgia, of all places, Um, and it was found to have what appears to be uh, dermal ridges, sort of fingerprints, and it was analyzed by uh, some FBI fingerprint analysis expert, a guy who's familiar with primate footprints, um, as well as by Dr. Jeff Meldrum, which is uh, specializes in locomotion and foot anatomy, and the consensus there was that this was very unexplainable and it could quite possibly have come from a real creature and something that reflected a, a primate anatomy. Um, and, and just there are just a number of footprints like that that come up that, uh, that seem to be quite credible. And then, of course, there are some that are just sort of 
you're trying to look at it and trying to make sense of it, and it's just sort of could be a depression in the road that's shaped like a foot. So it varies all around. But certainly when people say there's no evidence of Bigfoot, that, that's not true. There are some uh, very good footprint uh, examples. D, great question. Thank you so much for calling. Um, let's go to our next caller. This is Scooter in Ohio. Hey, Scooter, welcome to the program. Hey, JV. How you doing, Lyle? Good. Yeah, I had a question for you. There seems to be an awful lot of sightings here in Ohio, some near Salt Fork Lake and Minerva, and I was wondering if you'd read about those and what your thoughts were. Uh, certainly. I've been to Salt Fork a number of times um, and done some investigation out there, actually. Um, I find that Ohio is a place where there's a, been a lot of credible reports. Um, it's a place that provides a the terrain and the environment uh, that would afford a creature like this to, you know, uh, stay elusive. Um, and, you know, the, the Minerva case is a good example of one where multiple witnesses saw an upright, bipedal, hair-covered creature and it's hard to dismiss, you know, all of that as a whole. Uh, I think that uh, there's definitely something going on in Ohio, and uh, perhaps it's just a matter of time before somebody gets that uh, uh, picture or or other good evidence out of there. I know there was some uh, investigators down in Salford that used drones to try and, and capture something. They used them, used them at night with the infrared. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of luck uh it was more deer than anything else, but it's probably something you have to be really, really patient with. Yeah, absolutely. Bigfoot, uh, what you see on TV of Bigfoot hunting is the opposite of, of, of reality. It's just a matter of a lot of patience, a lot of hours spent uh, looking for what is essentially a, the proverbial needle in the haystack. And, and our technology is developing um to where you know we have drones and we have uh, thermal imaging cameras and you know perhaps that will give us the edge to uh you know to prove this scooter thank you for the phone call great questions there let's try to grab one more here this is beth in virginia hey beth welcome to the program oh hello you have a question for yeah. lyle yeah sure do do you think there are different species of bigfoot I'm sorry, was the question, do you think there are different species of Bigfoot? Right. I think that, I think that there, there could be some, some divergent, depending on where they live. I think primarily there's probably, you know, one uh, Bigfoot-like creature, but if they've lived for a long time, for example, in the swamps of um Florida, then, you know, over time, they're going to, um, you know, change and adapt to the environment. So I, I don't know that there's, you know, a great number of, of species. There could be, you know, a few, um, but by and large, they're all described as the same, you know, roughly seven foot tall, covered in hair, they walk upright. Um, there's there's not a, a lot of divergence from that. So I think it's primarily just one species with uh, environmental adaptations. Great question, Beth. Did you have a follow-up to that? No, that was it. Yeah, great question. Thank you so much for calling. 
Um, you know, that, that leads to uh, something else I wanted to chat about quickly, and we're going to run out of time here. Um, yet last night, I think it was, uh, Jason on the program brought up a news story about Chupacabra reports in Honduras. Have you heard about that, and do you have any comment on it, if you have? Uh, I'm, I haven't read up on it. Is this recent reports yeah, in Honduras? Yeah, it was recent reports. Uh, I guess there was, uh, was, I guess a couple of different folks were found deceased and uh, with with markings on them, and there was a reported creature sighting nearby claimed to be a chupacabra. So uh, these may be, uh, you know, very, very fresh reports. I'm not sure. Um, but in chupacabra in general, uh, what do you think of that and uh, that phenomenon in those reports? Well, you know, I mean, it, it's it's kind of morphed over time. You know, in Texas here, uh, you know, when people say chupacabra, it's always the sort of four-legged mangy coyote type, which, you know, may prove to be some hybrid uh, canid of some sort. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of favor the, the original Latin American reports, the kind of what you're describing probably in Honduras, where uh, it was sort of a more, you know, bipedal, alien-looking creature, um, and, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, those reports, people say these animals were drained of their blood when a lot of, uh, there's a lot of contradictory uh, facts to say that they appear to be drained of blood, but they're not, in fact, drained of blood. A lot of these uh, farmers and things will just make assumptions and report wild claims where science can't back it up. So I think the jury's still out on Chupacabra, but uh, it's definitely a fascinating cryptid and one that uh, if I ever get the opportunity to, you know, head down to Honduras or Puerto Rico or something, I would surely jump at the chance to, uh, to look further into that. Uh, so what else is on your docket these days? Uh, you're writing another book, doing another documentary, doing some more research. What's happening? Well, uh, we are about to shoot a Momo uh, film uh, in May. Uh, Seth Breedlove is uh, at the helm again uh, with a Small Town Monsters production, and we're doing a sort of uh, a unique approach to this than we've done in the past, not just a straight documentary, but something that will provide a uh, a little bit of fun with this Momo case because it is so strange and um and exciting. So uh, we're going to film that in May, and that will be out uh, probably uh, early October. Um, so that'll keep me busy, as well as a lot of appearances. I've got a, a lot of appearances coming up, and I'm also associated with the restoration of the original Legend of Boggy Creek movie. It's been restored to uh, 4K, oh, wow. remastered. And we're going to be uh, actually showing that in some theaters starting June 15th down in Texarkana, Arkansas, um, to play it in theaters. And then it will be followed up with a Blu-ray release. So being that I've the guy who wrote the book, uh, I've sort of been always uh, connected to the Boggy Creek thing. So it's exciting that the movie is going to have a, a fresh new um, you know, enhancement. Yeah, you know, uh, that movie is often cited, too, as an inspiration for people. Um, it's, it's, one, it's one of the sources that many cite as their introduction to these topics. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, people who are into this subject of a certain age all probably saw that movie. Right. Um, it was such a widely circulated film, and certainly 
you know, people either cite, you know, the Patterson film or Legend of Boggy Creek is the reason they, they're into Bigfooting. And it just had an amazing impact on the field. And, uh, you know, even to this day, I mean, anywhere I go, people come up and ask me questions about Boggy Creek. Um, yeah, we're basically out of time here. Obviously, your books are available on your website. You said they're available widely um, on other sellers as well. Any other place you want folks to go to find out more about your work? Uh, well, you can find me on Facebook, uh, and uh, I've got an Instagram page um, and a YouTube uh, channel. So, uh, yeah, just launch those from LyleBlackburn.com. It's got links to all that, and my books are on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, Appreciate everybody checking it out. Great. Lyle, thanks so much for being here tonight. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Look forward to having you back. All right, we're going to take a break. When I come back, I'll wrap things up. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Don't go away. Thanks for helping in the garden, baby. Uh, No problem. Uh Uh-oh, I got to go again. Again? Hey, wait a minute. Crapco presents. It's the Crapco Turtleizer. The Crapco Turtleizer. Make your duty do its duty with the Crapco Turtleizer. Turn regular household human waste into fertilizer for your lawn or garden. We all do it, so we may as well get some benefit from it. My tomato plants never been more juicy. Thanks, Turtleizer. And finally, my cucumbers are bigger and firmer than ever. I can't thank you enough, Turtleizer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's 100% natural. And the Crapco Turtleizer works great with houseplants, too. Don't my begonias look beautiful? Yeah, I've never seen them flower like that before. But what's that smell? The Crapco Turtleizer comes with all the things you need to make your morning chore into a whole lot more. Like a hardy, stain-resistant net. A supply of Turtleizer reusable storage bags. A copy of People magazine. And an ocean breeze air freshener. The Crapco Turtleizer. Use it as a school project. Have the neighbors over for a turtleizer party. Bring it to grandma's for the weekend. Use it near kill-fired ceramics. It's a big help when potty training. And don't forget those romantic dinners for two. Baby, this salad is really good. Yeah, I grew it myself with the Crapco Turtleizer. Thanks, Crapco. Start a small business for the wife by selling your extra turtleizer to the neighbors. What's the scoop with your poop? Don't flush all those goodies down the toilet. The Crapco Turtleizer. The Crapco Turtleizer is available for a special limited time price and get this free bathroom decanter to store your turtleizer materials. The Crapco Turtleizer may cause unpleasant odors and a rash. Get yours today. Well, Mr. Butts, that was a close call. You're recovering nicely, but good thing you got here for that emergency surgery when you did. Yeah, I feel great now. Oh, and here's the bill for what the insurance didn't cover. What? Well, there goes another one. Call it, nurse. I've got lunch in 10 minutes. Crapco presents... Has this ever happened to you? Go to the hospital for a little surgery only to be stricken by huge bilitis? Well, not anymore with the Crapco Home Surgery Kit. I was having a little pain in my side and the doctor wanted $200 to look at me. A couple of minutes later on the internet, I was pretty sure it was my appendix. The wife grabbed the Crapco Home Surgery Kit we got for Christmas and 20 minutes later, we were on our way to dinner at the Olive Garden. And cleanup was a snap. Well, except the vomit. Thanks, Crapco. I got an estimate of $3,700 for circumcision. I was able to do it myself in the comforts of my own bed with Crapco's home surgery kit. After a couple minor infections, I was up moving around like a rabbi walking by a mosque at night. And my wife, she was real happy. Thanks, Crapco. With the Crapco home surgery kit, you can perform most household surgeries in minutes and order the special add-on packs for even more cost savings like the cardiac arama, the ortho palooza, the bariatric bonanza, and don't forget the home 
augmentation arsenal. Hey, baby, you're looking hot. Yeah, but I wish these were bigger. No problem. Come over to my place. I've got the Crapco Home Surgery Kit with the augmentation arsenal. Can you say mammaries and margaritas? <laughs> Thanks, Crapco. The Crapco Home Surgery Kit normally retails for $99.95, but order today and you'll receive the Home Surgery Kit, the Orthopalooza add-on, and the decorative Crapco catheter curio cabinet, all for $19.95. The Crapco Home Surgery Kit is not recommended for all surgeries and in some cases may negate your life insurance or your life. Read your policies for details. Some side effects include removing the wrong organs, scarring, and not living. So order yours today. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you to everybody for being here. Thank you to Lyle Blackburn for being our great guest tonight. We've got a great show for you tomorrow night, so tune in. I'm JV. Talk to you tomorrow. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.